Welcome to Annaswick Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. That's great. Isn't it good to be together? Some of you I haven't seen for a long, 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 long time. Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, by the way, pinching a punch for the first of the month as well, first of May. May it all be well for you. May it all go well for you. The month of May. Um, June next, next month, I guess that means, you know, we're halfway through this year. I know. It's a thought, isn't it? Differing thoughts on that one. It's funny, you know, when 2020 finished, I thought, praise God, that's over and done with. Then 2021 happened. And now we're in 2022. It's like, okay. I didn't I prophesied right about eight weeks ago that this too will soon be over. Do you remember that? We've got another wave of it going on with the COVID, but it uh, certainly feels like uh, we are coming to the end of it. Please, Lord. Please, Lord. Let it be true. Okay, let me talk to you about following Christ because I reckon um, I need to share with you just some thoughts in regards to some of the hindrances of following Christ, if that's all right. But, you know, what stops us from following him? Anybody, do you know? <laughs> Anybody know what stops you from following Christ? What is it that actually, why do we struggle to pray? Uh, why do we struggle? To, and the reason why I say that is because I think following Christ is taking some of the, the very basics and simplicity of our Christian faith to want to talk to God. But often we find there's a barrier between us and God in our conversations because we feel like we're just hitting a wall and, and so often we give up because we don't really think that God is listening to us. Or there's the other dynamic of reading just simply the Word of God. The Bible says that it's alive and active. The Word of God is alive and active. Um, and I've always come, always had the belief that even if I'm reading the Word of God and I don't understand it, it's still alive and active. It's, it's not dead. Because that's not what the Bible says. And so every time I read it, even though I don't understand some of it, I know that something's happening. It's alive and active. It, it, it goes right into the thoughts and the intents of the soul. Ooh. <laughs> uh, sorry, didn't know why I did that. Uh, so let's talk about one of the biggest hindrances. Oh, by the way, what do you think it might be? Self. Sin. Very good. Let's talk about sin. Can we talk about sin this morning? You're not going to kick me off the stage for talking about sin, I hope. Um, because it's very real. Sin is very real. It's something we all deal with. Yes. Yes, it is. Oh, pious ones. That's sin itself. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. So let us throw off everything that hinders. We're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that has been marked out for us. We are in a race. And there is a, and, and basically what that simply means is it's a journey, it's a place, it's a, it's a, it, it's, we're, we're going from here to there. And it, it's, a, it's a race that you can take in your own pace. 
but you want to get there, wherever that there is. You want to get there at some point. Remember, it took the Israelites 40 years to get there. That's a long time. Uh, that was to the promised land. And even in the promised land, they still had to get there. It's been a constant journey. It was a constant journey for them. And my Christian life, uh, we've just talked about 59 years in, in the house of God. Mine's been about 49 years in the house of God. And uh, it's, been a, uh, you know, it's been a constant journey. And we're still journeying today. Every, every day I wake up and I'm astounded by what God is doing, has done. But I'm also believing that God's still doing something in my life. That I'm, I'm, I'm improving uh, because I know I haven't yet reached perfection. So there's a, there's a journey, there's a race, there's, a, there's a, a, a place from A to B, and, uh, and I don't know where I'm at on that A to B. So A is being born, B is heaven, and I'm somewhere in between. Probably a little bit more towards B than I was towards A. But then I am living to 120, and I'm still not 60 yet, so not even halfway. So... I have a personal trainer. Where's James? James is here, and he is going to keep me alive, uh, no matter what. Aren't you, James? So let us throw off everything that hinders. Stop, stop being hindered. Stop allowing the hindrances that are going on in your life to, 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 to hinder you from what God is wanting to do in your life and what, what He's desiring from you, okay? Uh, the sin, throw it off. Throw it off that hinders you. The sin that so in easily entangles you. And, uh, and I think that there is this dynamic of entanglement that we need to just talk about for a moment because sin entangles. It gets you tangled up. It gets you caught up in a whole lot of things that you shouldn't get caught up in. It takes you from a place. Sin, sin will often be a beginning and it will become a bigger thing if you don't deal with it. It, uh, it becomes bigger and it entangles into every aspect of your life to the point where you're making decisions and choices because of sin rather than because of Christ. Right? So uh, I, I, we went boating a little while ago. We go boating a lot, but we went boating this particular time. I want to share a little story with you uh, and uh, we put out the what's called a set line. A set line is, has uh, a weight at each end. It's about 100 metres long or maybe not that long, 100 feet, 100 feet long, whatever that is, 20, 30 metres long. And it has attached to about 50, 20, oh, sorry, 25 hooks. <laughs> there's some legalities around that. I can't say 50, I've got to say 25. So there's 25 hooks. And uh, I'm just joking. I made a mistake. It's 25 hooks. Uh, so they have a, there's a backbone, back, backbone which has traces which then are attached to hooks. So there's 25 hooks, then you bait the hooks and you throw this set line out and you just let it sit there for up to four hours. All right, because that's the legal limit of time that you're allowed to set line in the water. On each end is a buoy. You have a buoy so you can see where it is in the water when you go back to it. It's got your name and your phone number on those buoys. What's well, meant to. I've got Roger Bay's name on my one. <laughs> and there's a particular reason for that. I'm about to share. Uh, so, uh, so anyway, we just went out the cut, you know, out of the port, out the cut, and we just dropped the line down in front of the cut there. And uh, just went back about four hours later or whatever, or a couple of hours later, and started pulling it up. 
and the backbone of the line is about 200 kg breaking strain, so you, it's very difficult to break. And um, anyway, I was pulling it up, and I it was the 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 thing that was on it was so strong I had to tie the set line to the boat because I couldn't pull it with my hands and it was just absolute, just pulling away. And so I tied it to the boat, but what happened, it broke the 200 kg line, the back, backbone of the set line. So now I'm, I'm, it's all free, I'm pulling up this line. While I'm pulling up the line, there's this black and white thing that jumps out of the water real quick, so quick I couldn't recognise really what it was, but I did think it was an orca. <laughs> I thought, I've caught a whale. But it had taken off with half my set line. So I pulled in the other half of the set line. Well, the next day... Crystal comes home and she says, hey, um, there's a whole lot of people on the beach and it looks like there's a whale on the beach that's been stranded on the beach. (coughs) Um, My heart sinks. Of course, we decided, well, let's go for a walk and check out the the action. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, if this whale's got my set line wrapped around it and it's got a red boy attached to it and it's got my name and (laughs) phone number on it, Oh, I'm going to be in big trouble. It's not going to go well. I bet the media's down there. They're probably taking photos of it right now. All this was going through my mind, hence the reason why I changed the name to Roger Bay. <laughs> uh, I felt pretty sick, actually. I, we, 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 we were quite a distance away from where the action was going on. We could see this whale on the beach, and it did look like an orca, and, uh, and a whole lot of people were around there, and, and oh, man, it was... I was sweating. <laughs> I really was. Heaps of people were there. People who uh, were there that had whale rescue shirts on, red whale rescue shirts on, there with whale rescue on it. Um, I'm, I'm looking as I get closer for the other half of the set line to see if it's tangled around, the, uh, particularly for that red boy. Uh, from a distance, I, I, I could see uh, people were carrying buckets of water from the ocean and throwing it over the whale, and there were tarps uh, uh, keeping the whale cool. As I got closer still, I thought, man, it's, it's definitely not moving. It looks like it's probably died. Oh, imagine this on the news. I said to Verve, I said, hey, look, let's just walk past it. Don't stop. <laughs> And, and don't acknowledge anything if you see half our set line wrapped around it. <laughs> well, we got close enough to finally see, to finally see that it was definitely a whale rescue squad, but it was a blow-up whale. And they just happened to be practising how to rescue whales the day after I thought I had caught an orca. It was a blow-up whale, people. About four weeks later, we were going out the cart again, and I went straight past the, um, the boy uh, and, and uh, thought, that looks familiar. So I pulled in the other half of the set line four weeks later and then changed the name and the phone number on it. <laughs> what was that black and white thing that got entangled on my set line? Don't know what it was. We don't have set lines, we don't have nets that entangle us, but the devil has set nets. And he's set lines. And the best of, and the, sorry, the bait of Satan is sin. Sin is real. Sin entangles you. It can, entang- it can tangle you all up and it can destroy you. It can hurt you and others and it can hurt God. What makes sin, sin? What makes wrong, wrong? It's a good question, isn't it? Um, I don't think it's first that it hurts people, but I think ultimately it, it, it just simply ignores God. 
What do you think about that? It, it just simply ignores God. And this is the ultimate evil and the ultimate outrage of, of the universe, really. Sin is, and have, have a look at this, wrote these things up here. Thanks, Brooke, you wanna put these up. Sin is, the glory, where, is where the glory of God is not honoured. You wanna know what sin is? Sin is where the glory of God is not honoured. What's the next one? Or the holiness of God is not reverenced. Or the greatness of God is not admired. Or the power of God is not praised. Or the truth of God is not sought. Or the wisdom of God is not esteemed. Or the beauty of God is not treasured. The goodness of God is not savoured. The faithfulness of God is not trusted. The promises of God are not relied upon. The commandments of God are not obeyed. The justice of God is not respected. The wrath of God is not feared. The grace of God is not cherished. The presence of God is not praised, prized. The person of God is not loved. That's what sin is. That's a pretty big concept to grasp, isn't it? The infinite, all-glorious creator of the universe, by whom and for whom all things exist. Romans eleven thirty six. Look at this scripture. For from him and through him and for him are what? Are all things, right? Is that what it says? Are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This infinite, all-glorious creator by whom and for whom all things exist, who holds every person's life in being at every moment. What does that mean? Well, look at Acts chapter 17, verse 25. God who is not served by human hands, as if He needed anything, right? But rather He Himself gives everyone life and breath. God has given you life. God has given you breath and everything else. From one man He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, talking about Adam, and He marked out their appointed times in history. This is exciting stuff. You haven't just, you're just not some cosmic kind of being that has just appeared from nothing. You have been appointed. This history right now is where you were meant to be. How do I know that? Because you're here. It's what the Word of God says. There are appointed times in history, and get this, and the boundaries of their lands. Uh, I've been 57 years, uh, lived in Nelson. Spent a bit of time in Tauranga and when I was 23 for 10 months at Bible College. Pretty much the rest of the time I've been in this region. Uh, and I've been landlocked, really. You know, God has certainly placed boundaries around the land. For me, this is my appointed place. I love to travel, love to get out and about, but this is my appointed place, and I'm proud of it. I thought the grass might have been greener elsewhere until I did do some travelling, started some travelling, and realised the grass isn't necessarily greener anywhere else. This is where God has put me. This is, this is for me, by the way. might not be for you, but this is the boundary of the land that God has placed me, and this is my appointed time. This is your appointed time. It. Now, it may change. The boundaries of your land may, the boundaries, not boundary, boundaries is plural. 
So there may be other places that you've been or there may be other places that you're going to, but this is your appointed time and this is your appointed place. And so understanding how big God is, God did this. God did this. He appointed this time and He appointed this place. God did this so that you would seek Him. And perhaps, perhaps, perhaps reach out for Him. You're not forced to do this. This It's an invitation. Perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. By the way, perhaps is the reach out, not perhaps find Him. Wow, I just saw that. Wow, that is amazing. Perhaps reach out for Him and find Him. Perhaps you might want to reach out for Him because perhaps when you reach out for Him, there ain't no perhaps in finding Him, you will find Him. Do you like that? Write that one down. (laughs) Though He is not far from any one of us, You'll find him because he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. That's this powerful scripture. In him we live and we move. The reason why you move is because of God. The reason why we have our being is because of God, the infinite or glorious creator of the universe by whom and for all and whom all things exist, who holds every person's life in being at every moment is disregarded, disbelieved, disobeyed and dishonoured by everybody in the world. That is the ultimate outrage of our fallen world. That is sin. Why is it that people can become so emotionally and morally indignant over poverty, exploitation, prejudice, injustice, and pet peeves, and yet feel little emotion or no remorse or indignation that God is so belittled, so dishonoured, and so respected? Why? It's because it's sin. (laughs) And all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. That's what sin is. Sin is esteeming and valuing and honouring other things, man even, and his creations above God. Sin. It's a bit of a hard topic to talk on, isn't it? It's a little bit heavy duty. So how does it impact our world? How does it impact our life? Well, it becomes hindrances to following Christ. If we don't deal with it, if we don't get before God and, and, and recognise what it is that's actually ailing us, what our sickness actually is, we'll never get healed. We'll never get forgiven because we never bring it to God because we're so shamed out, so guilt-filled that we, and by the way, we can have great worship times, great moments in the presence of God and still carry sin in our life that we're not prepared to deal with. And you think, well, in this moment, surely I'm a free man because I can worship God uh, in, in this place. And, but, but some people can't either. Some people have got their hands raised, but deep down in their own heart and in their own soul, they're struggling with sin, which becomes a blockage to following Christ. And so our theme is following Christ, which means that we've got to talk about this stuff. So let's talk about this stuff. Let's talk about some of the internal obstacles, the internal hindrances, hindrances that we face. And by the way, may I say, they're not necessarily the result of spiritual immaturity either. You can be spiritually mature and not emotionally whole. Okay, let's talk about Moses. I've talked about Moses before because Moses is a big player in the Bible. So we talk about Moses a lot. 
So let me share with you some thoughts in regards to Moses. Moses is journeying the Israelites out of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. In the wilderness, they ran out of water. There was a moment they ran out of water. Uh, Verse two of Numbers chapter 20, thanks Brooke. Now there was no water for the community and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron and they quarreled with Moses. Actually, I don't even know. Oh, it is there. There it is. Awesome. They quarreled with Moses. Verse six. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting, fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they, do, they, so they and their livestock can drink. Verse 10. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must you, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. What was wrong with that story? He didn't do what God told him to do. He was supposed to speak to it, but he struck it instead. Verse 12, so the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough, and that's one of the biggest sins, I think. Because you did not trust in me enough to honour me, As holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. The life of Moses, God calls him to lead a people to a particular place. He is given an assignment to lead his people into the promised land. That's what his assignment was, to lead his people into the promised land. Remember this, Moses' assignment was never the wilderness, by the way. It was never the wilderness. Every conversation that God has about Moses' assignment, God never said to Moses that the wilderness was where he was supposed to end up. I promised the people Canaan and your assignment, Moses, is to take them to that land. But Moses never took them there. And although it was preferred, that whole generation never got to the promised land. Moses did not reach his redemptive potential. He did not go as far as he could have gone. He did not have the impact of what what he could have had. And it wasn't God's fault. Moses, you can see it, but you'll never go in. You will stop short of your potential. The impact that you could have had, you will not have. Why? It wasn't because of a lack of giftedness. It wasn't because he'd had an affair. There was no moral issue that was going on in his life. Um, God said, speak to the rock, and he strikes the rock. Well, really? Is that worth not going into the promised land for what was really going on? What was really the issue? He acted out of character when he struck the rock, absolutely. But was that inappropriate, so inappropriate that it would keep him out of the promised land? What was the issue? He didn't see that he had something going on in his world for a very, very long time that manifested itself even before the burning bush experience that he had to become deliverer of Israel. And I think he thought that even though I've got this issue that I'm dealing with, God has called me, therefore my calling must be my healing. And it was not. Okay, what am I talking about? Well, before he came to the burning bush and got the God thing on delivering the people out of Egypt, what did he do? He killed an Egyptian. 
The Bible talks about it. It says that he checks in to make sure, um, sorry, he, he's, uh, Moses grows up. He leaves the Pharaoh's palace to visit his friends, his family, the Israelites, and uh, he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. Moses checks to make sure no one is looking, kills the Egyptian, then buries the body in the sand. The following day, Moses comes upon two Hebrews fighting. By the way, I'm reading out of Exodus I Exodus chapter 2, Moses comes upon two Hebrews fighting. Moses asked the one in the wrong, he says, why are you striking your neighbour? The Hebrew beating his kinsman replies, well, who appointed you ruler and judge over us? Do you wish to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? Now Moses had looked around. He saw that no one had seen Right? And Moses learns from this that his murderous act has become known. And when the Pharaoh hears about it and seeks to kill Moses, Moses is portrayed as a murderer who hides the evidence of his deed and runs away out of fear. You see, when you kill a man and bury him in the sand, you've got a problem. It's called an anger problem, possibly for Moses. That was the outburst, was anger. Um, it's not, that's not an accident. It's, it's an expression. It's a manifestation of something that's going on internally that's never been addressed in his life. You killed a man, no apology, no remorse. Then after that, he then has a radical encounter with God, something so amazing. And not just a burning bush experience either. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. He gets to climb up Mount Sinai. <laughs> he says, God, I want, to, I want you to show me your glory God, God, show me who you are. Show me yourself. And God said, man, you know, if you saw all of me, it would probably kill you. So I'll show you the back of me. Uh, if you saw my face, you would die. You know, uh, we have great church, right? But really nothing like what Moses probably experienced that day. He had some great church going on. All that glory, all that experience is powerful. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't transformative. I'm not saying it was insignificant he, or, or significant. He had glory and he had the Word. Remember, he came down from that mountain with the Ten Commandments. Whew. He came down with the Word for that time. None of it fixed what was broken. All that glory and all that Word, and here's Moses, still angry. Just because my issue is dormant does not mean it is absent. I'll say it again. Just because my issue is dormant does not mean it is absent. So the issue is dormant for a season. What happens? Well, he steps into God's mandate for his life and this thing in him begins to erupt. Of course it does. The pressure of leading the people, the pressure that was going on in his world, the tension that he resorts to his default response, which is anger. And now suddenly, over a period of 40 years, you would have thought it would have been addressed. You'd think it would have been mastered. You'd think that a man who could stretch out his, out his staff and part the Red Sea. You'd think that a man who could take a stick and throw it into bitter water and make it sweet. You would think that a man like that wouldn't have an anger issue because surely God wouldn't use someone to that degree with an anger problem. And they are angry or they're competitive or they're territorial or they're judgmental or they're hypersensitive or they struggle with self-esteem. Their drivenness that can sometimes be admired is really a symptom of a sickness that needs to be addressed. Nothing wrong with success, but why? Nothing wrong with having an amazing work ethic, but why? 
By the way, I read something uh, during the week. Um, what was it? Success is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> but what's behind the ethic of why you do what you do? Why do you overperform? Why, why are you so driven? What's going on in your world that causes you to be who you are and yet feel so broken inside? We've got to recognise it. We've got to understand it. And we've got to let it come before God, ourselves come before God and let that thing be left at the cross daily, daily. Take up your cross and follow me. It was a daily thing. It wasn't just a one-off thing. It was a daily thing. Because sometimes I think the thing that we often struggle with is actually the thing that's a thorn in our flesh. It's often the thing that we actually have to carry around in our life for for possibly ever. Uh, and, and somehow, some way, we've got to we've got to work it through with, with me and the cross, me and Jesus, right? Remember, Jesus already paid the price. We already have the victory. We walk to we walk from victory, not to victory, right? I've got something going on in my life. I bring it to the cross, and I allow Jesus to start to do a work in me that finally breaks this thing, breaks it for for good. Now, what I mean by breaking it for good is you might have an addiction. A bad addiction, a nasty addiction, an addiction towards some kind of thing going on in your life that's actually ruining your life. Look, if you can't get rid of it, change its directive. If you can't get rid of it, get addicted to Jesus. Find your addiction elsewhere. Turn your addiction to something else. Paul talks about, well, someone talks about in Scripture about having a glorious obsession There's something within us that God has placed in us that causes us to be addictive. And the reason for that is because He wanted us addicted to Him. And if you can, and and what happens is we allow other gods and we allow other things, we allow other dynamics, other, other dynamics coming into our world and they take the place of who God is meant to be in our life. And we get addicted to those things when actually God wanted us to get addicted to Him. So here's the question Do you like you? Do you like you? Do you like you? I, I wonder how Moses was feeling about himself. I wonder how. I, I've shared this before, but his background wasn't totally brilliant. He, he was raised quite differently uh, from most of his, well, from his family members and family um, as a baby, he could have been thinking this stuff, and this isn't in the Bible, but it's kind of relative to Scripture in regards to what he might have felt deep down. Because I don't, you know, you don't know me and I don't know you, all right? I don't know what's really going on behind you. And we don't know what really was going on behind Moses, but we could make some suggestions. Maybe some of those suggestions are, well, as a baby, I didn't have any mother. I had a babysitter. When I was a child, all I know is they put me in a basket in the river. All I know was I was abandoned. Moses wasn't raised by his mother like he should have been. If I'm Moses, I'd be, I'd be wondering, where is my father? And why did my father not fight for me? Why wasn't he around? But surely that, wouldn't, that stuff wouldn't show up in a man like Moses. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. He wasn't spiritually immature, but he wasn't emotionally whole. 
How far could Moses have really gone if he had seen an issue was still unaddressed in his life? Just because something is not hurting me does not mean something is not impacting me. Just because something is not hurting me does not mean something is not impacting me. In other words, I can be impacted by something and I don't even know that it's actually hurting me because it's something deep within, but I know something's not right. Moses killed a man, tried to bury the evidence. Feelings just simply buried alive will never die. You try and bury that thing, it'll never die. 20, 30, 40 years later, who you are will always catch up with you. You can't outrun you. Whether you get into Canaan or stay in the wilderness is up to you. Are we the mum, dad leader that your kids' followers are looking for? If it is not addressed, it becomes reproduced in the lives of those that we lead. That's scary. You reproduce what you are. And what Jesus wants to do is to make us whole. But wholeness requires intentionality. Look at every miracle in the Gospels, you will see intentionality on the part of the person who needed wholeness. For example, blind Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, right? The disciples even told him to shut up, but he kept yelling even more. Uh, The woman who had the issue of the bleeding for 12 years, uh, she made an intentional effort to simply just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. She was intentional about getting her healing. Even the man at the pool who'd been at the pool, he'd been a cripple for 38 years, laid at the side of the pool because he knew an angel every year at a certain time of the year, an angel would come and stir the waters of the pool. And if he was able to jump in, (laughs) he would get healed. Uh, But the problem is he was a cripple. So it was a bit hard for him to get there because it was kind of like one person at a time and he wasn't the first person who ever got into the pool until Jesus comes along, right? And Jesus completely heals him. But he already knew he had an issue because he was sitting by the pool. Maybe some of you are sitting by the pool today. Maybe it's been 38 years sitting by the pool, experiencing the glory of God, experiencing worship, experiencing these kind of moments. And yet still, you're a cripple. Still, something's holding you back. Still, you're struggling to follow Christ. And I think the reality is, and and I I really feel that with the last couple of years of what's happened, church has been stripped away from us. And Jesus has been made central again in many ways. And in many many cases, look, seriously, I'm not denoting the power of the church church or the reason for church absolutely not but I tell you you know there there is a dynamic now I feel much stronger uh, in understanding and embracing the fact that it doesn't matter about programs and events what matters is is Jesus being on it that's why we can talk about sin because we want Jesus to be on it not just kind of like well if I talk about sin people are going to leave the church I can't think like that It's not the way we should be thinking. The way we should be thinking is, let's get people following Jesus. Are you following Him? And what are the hindrances? What's the obstacles today that are holding you back from following Him? You see, you can catch sickness, right? We know it. We've been there, experienced that, many of us, uh, over the last couple of years. But you don't catch health. You don't catch health. Health requires intentionality. So ponder on this. How are you doing? How's it really going for you? What's if everything that's happened right over the last couple of years has all been about God 
bringing something to the church that brings a purity now into your heart and into your life that desires within us to want to be pure and want to be whole internally so that we may truly follow Christ and not have to deal with all the, the rubbish, <laughs> the stuff that we get so bogged down. Who wants to be free? Who want, truly wants to know the freedom that Christ can bring? then find out what that unaddressed issue is in your life and bring it to the cross. We're going to sing a song. You don't know I've decided to follow Jesus, eh, Jerry? Oh, you, oh, the new one. You know the new one, right? Yeah, let's do that. Would that be good? Can you do that, guys? Grant? I won't ask Isaac because I know he'll know. He's a machine. I've decided to follow Jesus. That means there's no turning back. That means I'm in this forever. I'm in this for my whole life. I got 61 more, 63 more years, 62 more years of my life on this earth. I'm not holding back. I'm addressing the things that need to be addressed in my life. I don't want to get entangled with sin that weighs me down and holds me back from what God has for my life. I want to get to the promised land. And what's the promised land for us right now? Look, seriously, I believe it's, 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 it's what Jesus brings. He brings peace. He brings righteousness. He brings joy. Anybody feel like some joy in the house? Time to get joyful. Time to, time to not try and perfect ourselves with righteousness, but to know that we walk in righteousness because of Jesus. Time to live in grace, the grace of God that is so freeing not to do whatever I want to do, but to be empowered to do what He wants me to do. That's grace. To be empowered to do what He wants me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm getting rid of my shame and my guilt. I'm getting rid of all the condemnation. Devil, I break the condemnation in Jesus' Name. The condemnation over my life, over your life. No condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk every... Oh no, that's a song. I just stretched it a little bit. Is that right? who walk every day in the Spirit. What is it? Helen? In the Spirit. Who walk every day in the, in the Spirit of the Lord. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk every day in the Spirit of the Lord. Walking every day in the Spirit of, with the Spirit of the Lord. Walking every day, no condemnation. You wanna get condemnation off your life? Walk in the Spirit. Walk with God. God, here I am. I'm reaching out my hand to you and He's reaching out His hand, hand down. I've got to do that first, guys, because it's an invitation. I'm inviting Him into my life. He's not, I'm not pressuring Him to come. I mean, He's not forcing Himself to come into my life. I'm inviting Him into my life. Here I am, God. Help me to walk with You. Help me to be free. Help me to be uh, guilt-free, condemnation-free. Yeah, you know, conviction, absolutely. Conviction needs to come now. Conviction needs to come now. Conviction that we've just been walking our own way, walking, doing our own thing and actually walking back to the cross. Anyone want to do that? Anyone want to be free today? Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together, shall we? We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. 
Email us at info.nsbrook.co.nz or visit our website.